Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, it sure wasn't the prettiest first half for the Ohio State Buckeyes, but I think we anticipated that today's game was going to be a pretty good contest. And by halftime, you kind of felt maybe a little bit nervous. But by the end of the game, the Buckeyes were decidedly the better team and a terrible cover if you bet on the game with that late field goal for Ohio State to win 37-17. to We'll break it down next, our post-game show here on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Horseshoe, where Ohio State just got to 5-0 and here with a win out of the bye week, 37-17 over the Maryland Terrapins, who certainly showed uh, that they are a very, very good football team and made Ohio State really work for it as the Buckeyes got off to a clunky start, but ultimately a much better second half in a decisive win. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Anthony Meglin. Glad to have you with us here. Please subscribe to our channel so we can continue to do coverage like this for you all throughout the season. You can also get all the latest news and information around Ohio State football over on our uh, our website home. It's BuckeyesNow.com, of course, part of the Sports Illustrated media group in uh, the Fan Nation Network. Anthony, um, not a great start to the game for Kyle McCord. Ryan Day even said in his postgame press conference that it really had nothing to do with Maryland throwing some things at them they weren't expecting. Um what we all thought was a fake punt was actually just a terrible snap. Uh, a drone delay overhead that maybe had Brian Day showing his hand on a third down play and then had to come off the field. I mean, it was it was just a really bad first quarter. And thankfully, it, it wasn't Ohio State's demise and uh, a game they, they eventually clicked. You know what, Brendan? I kept going back to thinking what you said on would have been Thursday or Wednesday when you asked me, like, hey, what is this team going to come out like after a bye week? I literally I kept thinking about it because I, I was totally under the perspective of, hey, Ryan Days, from everything he said all week, from what we've been hearing, like this team's going to come out clicking and they're going to look good and they're going to look smooth. And they looked bad. I mean, frankly, in the first quarter, I mean, it was not good. We were texting on the side. I mean, like, holy cow, like, you know, thankfully – Thankfully, the defense was up to up to task today. I will say from an offensive perspective, and it's really easy to paint with a broad brush and say, hey, the whole team looked bad. But no, the offense looked bad. The defense came ready to play and they came ready to rock. And, you know, that kind of goes back to what we said, right? Veteran leadership and veteran. It's just a whole veteran group. Um, but they came out ready to play. But from the offensive side of the ball, I mean, things did not look good. And it was just really clunky. And, you know, from Kyle, you know, when you talk about Kyle, a lot of the incompletions that he had early on were just like, unforced errors like spiking balls into the ground on just little now routes and things like that so um you're happy that they were able to work their way through that stuff and by the end by the second half you're like oh this is the team i remember from a couple weeks ago things started to look a little bit cleaner and i mean heck kyle ended up finished finishing with 320 yards passing like 
holy cow, like was able to figure it out throughout the game, but it sure didn't get off to the right start, but that doesn't matter. Uh, they don't, they don't give you a win and loss after the first quarter. They give it to you after four. So you're, you're, you're impressed by what Ohio state was able to do that back half of the game. I, honestly, I was sitting there thinking to myself, Jesus is, is Josh Gaddis, the Buckeye slayer, because in his first year at Maryland, all of a sudden they jump on Ohio state in the first quarter. And I'm, just sitting here going like, what is this going to happen here? Um, how, how How is this so clunky? And I don't know if it was just good old-fashioned bye week, first quarter back in. I don't, I don't know that I really buy into that, but kind of fit the mold today, that's for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly easy to talk about the stars, and everybody wants to talk about Marvin Harrison. Everybody wants to talk about Cal McCord and, and all of that stuff, but – I don't think there is a more appropriate place to start our show than than by talking about the defense because the reality is the defense not only kept Ohio State in the game but made some big plays um, to to shift momentum back in their favor. Obviously, the pick six from Josh Proctor is is the most prominent one that comes to mind. Um, there were a few moments in the first quarter where they couldn't get off the field on third down. But all things considered, I actually thought this was probably the best defensive line performance in a mm-hmm. game that we've seen so far this year. And it's not even a statistical thing. They just – they were assignment sound. They they created some pressure, but there were plenty of things they did that will never show up in a box score that showed me, hey, this defensive line is really starting to put it together. And, you know, I think it was it was so good to see, too. You know, and my perspective on it was like, hey, this is the first test – first legit test um, that they're going to face through the air. You know, Notre Dame was good. Notre Dame was more of a balanced attack, but this was a legit test through the air. And you saw early on, like Maryland made some plays and it's a great touchdown catch um, in the first quarter. They were able to move the ball just a touch um, and just, you know, test Ohio State in ways that they hadn't been tested before, right? Having some third down conversions and having a long drive where it's like, all right, Ohio State hasn't, this defense has been so good to this point where it hasn't experienced any of this. And you loved how they responded, right? Got in the red area and shut it down. Held them to a couple field goals, which was awesome to see. You know, and then, you know, you give up the touchdown pass, but they come right back out, right? Denzel Burke has a great PBU in the second half in the end zone. You know, so you see some things that are just really key pieces of – hey, you're not going to be facing teams where you're going to shut them down. Like That's not a realistic thing. You're not shutting every team down the rest of the year. I promise you in a couple of weeks when we pay, play Penn State, you're not going to shut them down on every drive, but it's how you respond. And it was really good to see how this defense responded because, frankly, you know, with the way the offense played in the entire first half, if the defense didn't respond after that first touchdown drive, Ohio State's looking at, 17 21 point deficit going into halftime but they just didn't let it happen you know after that bad fake punt or whatever happened you know the rollback i know it wasn't called but you know after that play sure you give up a touchdown very next you know on that next series but after that it was like nuts it was it was dead nuts it was it was done um you know and so like that was really good to see because that defense was a key component today because it could have kind of gotten away um if that defense didn't show up and they really did I just felt like um, there were some moments where leadership was really necessary and the guys that you expect to step up did. And even a couple guys that are, are showcasing an ability to say, Hey, maybe you should think about me in more of a leadership role. You know, again, Josh Proctor had a pick six. And so that's what people remember from the game. I'm actually more 
likely to remember some of the vicious hits that he made today. Proctor played with an attitude. Um, and, and like he's an aggressive guy in general, but man, did he make some plays. Lathan Ransom laid the wood big time this afternoon. Um, I hate that I'm pointing this out, but it was so rare. Tommy Eichenberg missed a critical tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and when you get to the point now where you're pointing out missed tackles from a guy that is, in my opinion, playing like an All-American, uh, you know, th- those are mistakes that happen so rarely that we actually remember them. Um, Mike Hall, you know, how about the, the, I guess, roughing the passer call that I just didn't really agree with uh, on, on what the referee deemed as a high hit? He turned around and made a play when he got another chance. Um, it, it was more than anything, it was Ohio State's defense and the way they didn't panic when the offense wasn't clicking, especially in the first half. Um, the defense took it upon themselves to figure it out and keep things going. And obviously, when you score defensively, that's a huge help. But um, I just, I love the way that that unit is putting the team on their back now repeatedly, right? It's the offense. In fact, I've got a, a, a great stat here. It was going into the start of the uh, the second half, there was a stretch where Ohio State's offense for for the course of several games at that point, it, it really struggled. Um, entering the first drive of the second half, Ohio State had scored one touchdown in their previous nine drives and only two touchdowns in their previous 15 drives over a three-game stretch. That, that ain't good enough. Now, you played a really good Notre Dame team. That was part of it. And they were, they were bad in the first half. But the defense figured it out and, and kept them in it. And we've talked about it a number of times, too. You know, when you have a defense that can shut the door like these guys can, um, you know, it, uh, it it keeps you in games like this. And this was a perfect example. And I think the best thing is, and, and what I was feeling, and my, my buddies had to jump me a little bit, but I was feeling that, you know, Talia Tungvaloa wasn't playing well. Um, you know, and I kept saying like, man, is this guy, you know, is, is it a function of them not having the best competition? You know, I was just texting my boys and they're like, dude, this defense is awesome. You know, this is an awesome defense. And when you think about it, like they really are. And, and we talked about this too, like with the way Maryland set up, you know, when they're relying on the pass game, if Ohio State's able to shut that down, that makes it look really bad, right? When Tua finish, or excuse me, Talia finishes, you know, 21 of 41, throws two picks and finishes with under 200 yards passing. You know, when you look at that stat line, it's not good, but it's also like they they got behind, okay? The first half was like, okay, Maryland's in control and they couldn't pull away. And when you figured they couldn't pull away, you knew they were in trouble because if you let a good team like Ohio State hang around, you know, things like the second half will happen. But when you get behind and you just have to start chucking it, and literally we saw it, JT was able to pin his ears back. Jack Sawyer able to pin his ears back. Mike Hall got some got some pressures in there. Sonny Styles play the I think you know potentially you can talk about it as you know one of the plays of the second half, which when the game was still in the balance has that tackle for loss. And when we were texting about it too, like the back view of it, it shows the whole defense is to the left. Sonny makes that blitz, and if if Talia can break that tackle, there's running room. He's not going to go for 80, but he's getting a first down and, and getting a chunk game. Um, you know, so you just saw contributions from everybody. Um, you saw a great D line play. You saw awesome, awesome A plus 
safety play. You saw a really good cornerback play and you saw a good linebacker play, you know, and, and that's what we're coming to expect. Um, you know, similar to what coach day said last week, when you start bringing home A's in chemistry, that's now the, that's now the, the, the bar, right. And that defense continually a plus after a plus after a plus every single week, when you have that you're in every single game. Longest rush of the game for Maryland was 17 yards. They had a couple of, of uh, passing plays that went for, for 20 plus the longest of which was 26. And I bring that up because I think I finally have decided that I'm going to back off a little bit of the, the defensive line criticisms that I have had. Uh, and, and they haven't been crazy strong criticisms, but I've been a little critical of, of the lack of sack totals and the lack of TFLs, even though I think the defensive line has played generally well. And I just, I'm getting to the point now where I think it's got to be a function of the way Jim Knowles is calling this defense where they've essentially said, look, we know what burned us the last couple years. We're not going to give up big plays anymore. We are not going to be overly aggressive defensively to the point that we're exposed against teams, especially like this one, that's got some weapons. I mean, Caden Prather's a good receiver. And, and when Talia had time, he made some really good throws. Now, he wasn't perfect. Um, and I absolutely put it on Talia's shoulders with the debacle at the end of the first half. That was that was Horrible. totally on the quarterback. You cannot throw short of the sticks. You have to throw that past the first down marker, out of bounds, or in the end zone, period, point blank. But I, I, just to, to finish the thought, I, I am willing to now say that maybe some of the lack of productive statistics that we're used to seeing from the defensive linemen are more a function of a slightly relaxed coverage that's willing to give up something in that intermediate route, short to intermediate, because they're not going to get burned deep. And when you have short and intermediate stuff open, quarterback's going to get the ball out of his hands faster. You're not going to have sacks and tackles for loss. Bingo. And it's it's the bend don't break philosophy. I'll give you we'll give you 250 yards in completions, but when we get to the red area, we're clamping down and we're going to make it really freaking hard on you to, to get that ball in the end zone. And that's what you feel like Ohio state's goal is, um, is to just not allow seven points just, or excuse me, six points, just don't allow the touchdown. Um, and now you're going to start to see it now with better, better competition. You know, you and I can, you know, share similar thoughts on it where it's okay. You know, this is a better team. They're going to complete the ball. Notre Dame had some completions over the middle and, and moving the sticks today they there was certainly a number of completions and a number of plays where you know, we're used to seeing an Ohio State team who doesn't give up 10 yard plays just doesn't happen but that just wasn't the case and it won't be against good teams but it's going to be that bend don't break philosophy um, that just keeps you in it and uh, you know and and you know allows you to, to to stay within stay in games as opposed to you know having those big plays that kind of can take you out of it. All right, I'm not really interested in doing a full hour-long post-game show. We've got so much time that we can um, divulge more thoughts and, and break down some stuff along the way these next couple days. But I don't know, and I get the impression Ryan Day might not either, or at least he didn't say so post-game. I don't know what has to change with this offensive line. It's not good enough. And it's not it's not preventing them from winning, but I don't Yet. think Ohio State has played against a team that like you look at and go, oh boy. Like I thought Notre Dame was was really good and could give Ohio State a great game. 
I wasn't scared stiff going into South Bend. I thought Maryland is a good team, and I expected Ohio State as a 20-point favorite would figure it out at home, although I did say this week that I thought there were parts of this game that might resemble like Michigan Rutgers, which looked like a good game for a little while and was low scoring. That's kind of what happened. Um, Ohio State can't seem to run the ball between the tackles. And, and I don't understand what has to change or, or how they're going to try to work around the fact that they just don't seem to know how to run downhill. And I think that is going to be problematic at some point. Brennan, 1.9 yards to carry. Um, that's the story. That's, that's the story. That's just terrible. It's it's bad. That's bad in flag football. That's bad in peewee football. It's bad at high school. Like that's bad anywhere. Anywhere you cut it. And Chip, train them, 20 carries, 62 yards. I'd I'd be curious, and maybe we get the question this week, um, of what mine Williams did. <laughs> because I mean, in a day that we're I, I almost think just chip's better. And they're I, they're just saying, Chip, go do it. It's it's insane. I mean, not insane. It's just crazy to me. You know, Chip twenty carries, mine Williams six carries. You know, in a in a in a system in a unit that we've seen to this point, you know, kind of get it spread out. You know, between Trey Henderson and Chip, like they kind of had equal ish carries. But it was just the Chip Trainum show today, and just nowhere to run, just nowhere to go. And you you keep you watch clip after clip, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's guy in the backfield, guy here, miss block here, uh, a stone wall at the line of scrimmage. It's it's not good. It's not good in the run game. And this offense, whether you like it or not, or whether you believe me or not, it's predicated off the run. How many times was it play action passes or how many times was it, you know, we bring big guys in to throw it, you know, and to get advantageous scenarios on the outside with a Mecca and Marvin, like this offense, you know, whether you want to believe me or not, like is built through the run game and then goes to the pass game. And when you're having to drop back, like they were a little bit in the second half, makes it really, really challenging. Think of Kate Stover's touchdown off of play action, you know, so things like that, you just got to keep that in mind. And because this is going to rear its ugly head, you know, it, you said it hasn't cost them. It hasn't cost them yet. Um, and, you know, it almost cost them last week or two weeks ago. And you can't, I promise you, man, you can't give up three sacks either. When you're facing an opponent that, you know, is is a little bit more stout than Maryland, you can't be giving up three sacks um, as well. So giving up three sacks and averaging 1.9 yards carry, that's not the formula to win football games. It's really not. And the answer, we'll I don't know. It. Yeah, well, and I, I don't know. And so maybe we'll go back and look on film. I, I have suspicions, but um, I want to give educated content, not just – Clickbait. Not reactionary so, stuff. Yeah. So we'll we'll look at the tape. We'll look at the tape. Uh and and on Monday, literally, we will do a film breakdown as we do every week. Um let's get to Kyle McCord for a second. What did you make of of Kyle's comments post-game when I had asked him about, you know, hey, did you think I, I was trying to basically give him a chance? I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Hey, did you think the wind affected either throw? Because it's a pretty breezy day here. Did you think the wind affected either throw on your deep ball to Marvin over the middle where the ball, you know, he definitely had to come back for it or the one to Julian. It was my impression that the wind affected the Marvin throw, the Julian throw. I just thought was a bad throw. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought Kyle's response to that was interesting. He said, I, I need to visualize that deep ball throw better pre-snap. You played quarterback at this level, what or at the college level? Not at yeah, level, not quite. You know what level. I mean? <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 I, I guess I that answer took me by surprise. I never really thought that that was part of a thought process. What do you think? Yeah, so it's it's a really good point, and this is like nerdy quarterback stuff. 
Um, and it's and I agree with him. You know, and you watch back the tape, and we'll we'll, we'll get into it. When Marvin Harrison's one on one, you should be thinking like, hey. I'm going to come off this. It was play action. I'm going to come off this. And I know I'm looking at one place. I'm looking at the safety. If the safety, when I turned my back, got over top of it, I'm on him or I'm off of him. If I look at the safety and he's in the box, I am throwing that thing as far as I possibly can. Because honestly, you have an idea of the wind. You know the wind coming out. Hey, when we're going, when it would be south. When we're going south, um, the wind's in our face. When we're going north, the wind's at our back, okay? So we just have to keep it in mind. You don't think of it consciously, but like, all right, keep that thing in mind. I'm going to have to get that ball down. However, you know immediately when you're looking at the you're looking at the play, I know that if Marvin's one-on-one, I know with that post route, nobody can hang with him. I need to throw that thing now. And you're going to see that it was very late. Um, he had to throw that thing 60 yards. Like you should never on a field have to make a 60 yard throw because if you timed it up right, where you threw it off your, you know, with one hitch or right off the right off your play action, you know, you're going to hit him in stride regardless of wind. So I, I do agree with him and it'll be cool to show um, that he was just a touch late. And when you're a touch late to a normal person, it's an incomplete pass. When you're a touch late to Marvin Harrison, it's a 60 yard gain and you're or a 40 yard gain or whatever it may be. And uh, you're, you're moving the sticks, but I, I agreed with his perspective on that. Actually. I, uh, I thought that was really interesting for sure. Um, so Marvin's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> eight, eight catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he was targeted 13 times. Mm-hmm. Kyle McCord only threw 29 passes. So he, he was basically thrown at essentially every other throw which was such a, 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 you know, large dichotomy from what we had at Notre Dame where it felt like Marvin was so blanketed that everything went, you know, to everybody else. Um, I, I kind of liked what Ohio State did today where it wasn't always Marvin flanked out to one side of the field by himself where it became a situation where like, okay, if he's by himself, you can work a double to him. They put him in the slot in situations where, you know, as a defense, you got to just figure it out one on one. Can you stop him? And nobody can. That yeah, he's he's, he's unbelievable. And what you saw today, it's it's interesting to look at the at the catch chart right now. So Marvin eight catches, Kate Stover two catches, Julian two, Emeka two or Emeka three, Xavier one, Carnell Tate one, and Mayan Williams one. So when things, what that tells me, when things aren't going well. Who who's our guy, right? Who who are we sure. giving the ball to? You know, and when things are going well, and your number one running back's out, Travion Henderson. Again, who is our guy? It's Marvin Harrison Jr. And for for all the right reasons, and uh, you know, you it didn't get to. I didn't feel as though I was when I was watching it that it was a force job by Kyle. It was just everything was called to Marvin, and Marvin was first on everything. And when that's the case, you feel more comfortable as a quarterback, you know, looking your guys in the huddle and being like, hey, I'm not just throwing to Marvin, but he's number one on everything, so I'm throwing in the ball. Um, yeah. You know, so you feel comfortable with that. But when things aren't going right, find your guy. And, you know, eight catches, 163, one touchdown. The other touchdown before that probably should have been – should have stood, in my opinion, but doesn't matter. They came right back to him um, for six. So he's just unbelievable. He's just unbelievable. It's fun to watch. So my favorite moment of the day, and I'll wrap with this, my favorite moment of the day was about 20 minutes after the game ended. Ryan Day is in the press conference, and there was a, a brief stoppage so that uh, Athletic Communications Director Jerry Emig could kind of direct some traffic. Right, Ryan comes to the podium. He's talking. 
he's the only one in the room for a while. All the all the reporters have their attention on him, and then some players will eventually file into to some tables in the back. And so Jerry asked Ryan, "Hey, can you hang on for a minute?" and and gave out some directions as Marvin and Cade and uh, I think at the time it was Josh Proctor walked in, and so Ryan's standing there and the guys are walking in and Marvin's got sunglasses on and he's he's holding his Louis Vuitton luggage. And Ryan Day stands up there and he goes, he goes, Marv, you look like you're going through TSA. You got your luggage. You got your Louis. And and Marv just kind of like laughed or smirked and the media is moving around. I don't even know how many people really heard it. And then Ryan goes to Cade and says, hey, Cade, where's your Louis? And Cade goes, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this, this is so quintessential Buckeye. This is why we love Cade Stover because mm. – he is who he is, and it doesn't matter what what's going on around him. He is he is the singular example of what you want Ohio State football to look and feel like. His toughness, his grittiness, his desire to, to have the ball put in his hands when the game needs a big moment. And today he scored a touchdown uh, on a play that I think may have not quite gotten to the end zone had the defender not – uh, gotten injured. Um, yeah. I forget, I forget who it was. It was number 12 defensively, um, you know, bur- bursting toward the sideline, breaking right at Cade. And I think he kind of grabbed his hamstring when he went down and then mm-hmm. Stover went into the end zone untouched. Uh, still a great play call to your point. It was built off play action and it was such a good fake pitch from Kyle that the safety bit hard and that, that ended up wide open. But anyways, a uh, little behind the scenes moment. I thought that was hilarious and it was not planned and it was just so Cade. I love it. Cade's the man. I mean, when you get a tight end like that, they're all, it feels to me like they're all built the same. Like all the tight ends are just literally just about the work. Hey, I'll put my hand in the ground. I'll, I'll, I'll block a nine technique and I'll, I'll pin down on a five, but I'll also go run a corner route and catch it for a 50 yard touch or a 44 yard touchdown. And then when the receivers are coming into the locker room with their shades on and all dolled up, like, hey, man, I got my tank top on. I'm ready. I'm going to go lift, actually. You guys have to go have fun doing whatever you're doing. I'm going to go hit the weight room. You know, that's a tight end, man, and that's what you love. Those are the those are the guys, man. They're, they're the best. Tight ends are the best. So Ohio State um, figures out a way to win a game that for a little while didn't look great, uh, ultimately didn't panic, maybe learned a little bit more about themselves in that way today that, um, you know, after the high of winning in a game at Notre Dame where they didn't panic, that they could figure out a way at home to not feel too good about themselves or say, Hey, this is an opponent we're supposed to beat. So we got to, you know, we got to press a little harder. They just went out and I, I keep using the words, figure it out. But like there was this element of, okay, that's not working. This isn't going well. We got to like plot our way through this thing and just find a way to be on top at the end of the game. Um, and I hope you didn't bet on the game because that was a borderline criminal cover. Because uh, I think the line got down to like 18 and a half or something, didn't it? So it's 34 17. Somebody kicks a field goal late. I was just like, that's brutal. Or you bet on the Buckeyes like me. Or you bet on the Buckeyes. We got a big, we got a big one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true, too. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that'll wrap up our post game show, our instant analysis here from, uh, from the horseshoe. Got plenty more to come uh, as our coverage continues all week long. Buckeyes will go back on the road to Purdue next week. I don't want to look past Purdue because 
God knows that was one of the most frustrating losses in the last two decades of Ohio State football when the Buckeyes maybe got caught looking past Purdue a few years back. Um, but obviously the biggest game on the schedule right now feels like the one that's in two weeks when Penn State comes to town. But we will be all things Boilermakers coming up here this week after we put uh, a cap on things over the next 48 hours. So we'll have our, uh, our What We Learned edition tomorrow. Then on Monday, of course, we'll do our film breakdown before we turn the page to the Ohio State-Purdue game coming up on Tuesday. For Anthony Meglin, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for joining us at the shoe where the Buckeyes had a 37-17 win here on Saturday afternoon. They are 5-0 and and moving along nicely.